The rise of 5G in the latest iPhones has the battle between Verizon, T-Mobile, and AT&T heating up. Let's break down what this means for you in 2021. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is our mobile expert, Eli Blumenthal. Welcome, Eli. Thank you for having me back. So the mobile industry saw a big shakeup this year. T-Mobile completed its acquisition of Sprint, uh, and it went from the number three player to the number two player. Uh, Verizon entered the year kind of the the same as every year, touting its network superiority, but uh, it was actually behind when it came to uh, 5G nationwide coverage, really only caught up in the fall. I'm curious what the carrier landscape looks like at the start of 2021 and how you see things kind of shaking out as the year goes on. So it's really interesting. As you mentioned, T-Mobile, who for years was considered uh, much worse than Verizon and AT&T, especially when it came to network performance, they actually, in the 5G race, for lack of a better term, are ahead. They're in that pole position. They have the largest 5G footprint for their low band network, which covers 270 million people today. Uh, They have a mid band network, which is a second flavor of 5G that has significantly faster speeds, noticeably faster speeds compared to low band, which is largely the same as what you'll get on 4G LTE today. Uh, They have that, which T-Mobile plans to cover 100 million people with mid band in 2020 and 200 million in 2021. Uh, and they have some millimeter wave in some parts. So they are very much in the driver's seat when it comes to a 5G network. And again, that is surprising given how strong Verizon and AT&T were with 4G. Verizon uh, actually on December 17th came into second as far as 5G nationwide coverage. Uh, they're now at 230 million people. Ahead of AT&T is at 225 million uh, and Verizon also has a large millimeter wave footprint, which is a really high frequency technology that has much faster speeds than mid-band or low-band speeds that are several gigabits per second in some cases, but only works outside on a handful of, of city streets. That's that's the quick rundown on where things stand in 5G right now. Going forward into 2021, uh, we should hopefully start to really see some improvements as far as network performance. Uh, T-Mobile, as I mentioned, is hoping to really expand that mid-band network. That's its real edge right now. When it comes to 5G, uh, they are hoping to hit 200 million people in 2021 with that. Uh, And that will, again, provide a real noticeable difference than what your phone currently gets with 4G LTE. Um, Verizon, for what they're focusing on, they're going to continue to build out millimeter wave. They're going to continue to improve their low-band network. Uh, AT&T, a lot of the same. AT&T is going to be focusing a lot on latency or the responsiveness of their network, not so much speed uh, from what they've been they've been telling me. Uh, we should hopefully, though, all told across all three major carriers, see some improvements that help get us closer to some of the 5G hype that we were uh, promised even in 2020. Yeah, speaking of that hype, you ran a test with the iPhone 12, the, you know, the first iPhones that are 5G compatible uh, on some of the network speeds that are around here. What did you find with uh, those tests? So I took the iPhone 12 Pro Max, the biggest iPhone that has 5G, and the iPhone 11 Pro Max, last year's iPhone, uh, that has 4G LTE, and basically compared them in the same locations on AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile's respective 5G and 4G networks. Um, 
because we're in a pandemic and in New York, it is currently a crazy snowstorm. Um, I haven't been able to go all around New York City. Uh, but I was able to go to a variety of different locations in New York and in northern New Jersey. And the experience was, well, kind of underwhelming. Uh, often I was connecting to the low band or nationwide 5G networks, depending on which carrier uh, you're, you're talking about. They all give them different names. And that experience was largely the same as what I was getting when I ran the same tests on 4G LTE on the iPhone 11 Pro. So as far as my experience, it wasn't anything game-changing. It wasn't anything near the hype that all these carriers were talking about. And that, again, should change, and it will change depending on where you are. In some areas where T-Mobile, for example, has their mid-band available, you'll see speeds much higher than what I was getting. I was getting speeds under or around 100 megabits per second. Well, that's what I wanted to ask about in terms of the the variance in coverage. How often did you run into those faster networks, that, that mid-band network that T-Mobile touts, or the ultra-wideband, that, that millimeter wave network that Verizon always talks about? Did you did you find that, did you see a lot of that, that kind of variation in speeds, or was it largely just that low-band nationwide network? With this round of tests, I didn't really encounter either, which was a little bit surprising, especially because... For my indoor test, I did it from my apartment because, again, we're in a pandemic and can't really go inside uh, a lot of different locations, especially in New York City right now. And last year, I was able to connect to Sprint's mid-band 5G in my apartment. When I was running these tests with T-Mobile, I wasn't really seeing that, uh, which was a little bit surprising. Though T-Mobile, I had a friend in Queens. uh, He sent me a screenshot of his phone, and he was getting speeds that were almost four times faster, well over 200 megabits per second. So they are deploying mid-band in New York City. Uh, Verizon, they have similarly have a millimeter wave footprint in New York, and it's a pretty sizable one uh, that they've continued to expand on since launching here. But that's still largely outside. It's still largely on city blocks. And for the most part, at least for me, either much further uptown in Harlem or much further downtown, uh, midtown, or even really downtown New York City, where I wasn't able to get to for this test. In the past, when I've gone to some of those locations, I was able to see speeds that were roughly a gigabit, even a little faster. Um, And for example, I was able to download Avengers Endgame from Disney Plus in high quality, a file that's around 7.7 gigabytes. I did it in under 10 minutes on Verizon's millimeter wave network, what they call ultra wideband. When I did a similar test on the iPhone 12 Pro Max on its nationwide 5G network, the much slower version of Verizon 5G, uh, I barely, barely got 2%, I believe, done uh, in 25 minutes. So it's it's significantly slower. And again, really not much different than what you're getting with 4G LTE. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious if you ran those tests to on the iPhone 12. Like, did you, did you run uh, a simple 4G test versus a 5G test on the same phone? Because I'm wondering if the tweaks made from the iPhone 12 over the iPhone 11 uh, made it so that the 4G connection was uh, a little bit faster. Yeah, I don't really know the answer to that. As far as what we were testing, we we did a handful of different things in in the various locations. Um, We did a lot of speed tests uh, using the speedtest.net app from Ookla, the the popular speed test app. And I basically took an average of a variety of tests on each network in each location. So it wasn't just one test at one time. It was three, four, five, six tests. And then we aggregated that, and, and that's how we got a real sampling 
uh, also opened up YouTube, did basically the tasks that normal people do, made some FaceTime calls, uh, tried downloading Avengers Endgame uh, to different levels of success, uh, but basically tried using these phones as a normal person would use them. You watch a movie, you FaceTime someone, you open some web pages, or in our case, test some uh, some speeds on networks. Yeah, I'll say that I, I'm running a test as we're speaking right now, and on the 5G network, uh, T-Mobile's 5G network, I'm getting about 37 megabits per second versus about 27 on the 4G network on the same phone. So, you know, not not significantly faster, um, and overall those speeds are a little underwhelming. Uh, I will say there's some good days and bad days where it gets a little bit faster, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh, I've found at least from my my uh, my early test that, that things have been, uh, like you said, a bit underwhelming. I want to talk about, uh, the sort of the, the, the shakeup with the industry and the fact that with Sprint, T-Mobile has been able to you know, take over the number two spot, uh, going into 2021. I mean, where do you sort of see these, do you, do you see T-Mobile actually taking the full lead? I mean, they've got a good story with this mid-band spectrum, uh, the kind of spectrum that really Verizon and AT&T don't have or don't have ready access to. How, how do you sort of see the industry shaking out over the, the next year? It'll be really interesting to see on a number of fronts. As you mentioned, T-Mobile does have that lead. Um, and, and there doesn't really seem to be anything that's going to bridge that gap in the short term. There's currently an auction for more spectrum, the wireless airwaves that these carriers rely on to deliver 5G uh, currently underway at the FCC, but that's going on now. So by the time the carriers win, you know, if they win the auction and then get the spectrum cleared off and can start deploying it, that's months, if not you know, a year or so away in some cases. So T-Mobile really does have an advantage here, and it's up to them to really try to, to press that. Whether Verizon and AT&T can start to make it up with some other improvements that they're doing, that remains to be seen. AT&T, as I mentioned, is focusing on latency and the responsiveness of their network in 2021. They aren't really focusing too much on speed from what they told me. They're, they're pretty happy with where their speeds are now once they get the responsiveness up. Uh, Verizon's going to continue to expand, and it'll be interesting to see what they do and with what new technologies such as carrier aggregation, which lets you combine multiple different signals, some mid-band, some low-band, what that can change for AT&T and Verizon, and obviously what that means for T-Mobile, because that gives them another tool that they can can use once those phones and devices start hitting the market, which are expected to start hitting the market uh, early next year. So we talked about these three carriers. There's another one we haven't really talked to, and that's Dish. That's the company that basically bailed out T-Mobile and Sprint because they had agreed to acquire Sprint's prepaid business and some spectrum, and now is you know at least positioned to have a somewhat competitive fourth carrier out there. What do you think Dish looks like in 2021? Because they've been pretty quiet. I know they they have their their prepaid plans out there. They're they they sell the iPhone. You know they're kind of in the mix, but they've been relatively quiet this year. Uh, you think that that changes? Dish is the biggest wild card in wireless right now. Um, they did, as you mentioned, bail out T-Mobile and Sprint. Uh, regulators were concerned that by T-Mobile merging with Sprint, 
the U.S. wireless industry would go from four national carriers to three, and that would, over time, drastically reduce competition. Uh, and Dish, who has been accumulating assets in Spectrum for years, was seen as that sort of savior because they have all these assets in Spectrum. They could start putting them to use and build a really compelling alternative. Um, the key word there is could. Until this point, Dish hasn't really done much. They have Boost, which they got because T-Mobile and Sprint had to divest that as part of their merger. Um, and they have been doing some small things, some new plans, but they've been fairly quiet. They haven't really announced anything as far as when they're going to put some of the spectrum to use. Uh, last year, or earlier this year, when Charlie Ergen was testifying, that's a Dish founder, uh, in court as part of the proceedings to get the T-Mobile Sprint merger approved and the divestiture off to Dish, uh, he talked about having a 5G city in 2020. Obviously, with the pandemic and everything else going on over the past year, things may have changed. But we still don't know where that Dish city is. We don't know if it's on track. I've tried numerous times to get in touch with Dish. Uh, they haven't responded. They are a massive wild card, which I guess sort of fits Charlie Ergen. He has a reputation as being a gambler. Uh, this is a major gamble for the wireless industry. If they come in and build this network, they could really shake things up. They have enough spectrum. And the fact that they're not tethered to any older technology like 4G or 3G allows them to potentially build something really futuristic. But that's an if, if, if they do that. Um, they also have the benefit of being on T-Mobile's network, which I guess now would be for another six years or so. Uh, they have a seven-year period where they get to stay on T-Mobile's network while they build this out. But again, they need to start building what that looks like, when, what they price their their offerings at, all are massive. Who knows? Yeah, Dish has always been known as a, a bit of a maverick, to, just like their founder, Charlie Ergen. So it will be interesting to see what happens with Dish. Uh, if nothing else, this, this business is going to continue to be interesting and unpredictable. Eli, thanks for your time. You can check out his story on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to CNET.co slash Daily Charge. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>